Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday morning, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com as I record this episode. I've got another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book, All in the Same Boat. The Audible version of the book is available, and it's on the Audible store for those who prefer to listen to their books. You know, I think it came out great, so check it out. Now, if you're more of a Kindle or a paperback kind of reader, you can find the book on Amazon where you can see a summary of the book and read through all of the five-star reviews. You can also purchase a signed copy of the book at allinthesameboatbook.com where if you enter the discount code DEEP at checkout, you get 20% off the Amazon price. And right now, and as always, uh, domestic shipping is free on my website. Now, if you've already purchased purchased the book already, thank you. Your support has helped propel this book to the Amazon bestsellers list. Uh, and if you haven't read the book, well, this is the time to go out, get the book, and uh, read through it. You'll enjoy it. So uh, check it out. So if you're looking to support what I do on the show, purchase one of my books at johnsrenny.com, or you can visit my sponsors, bottomguncoffee.com and ihavethewatch.com. All of these websites use the discount code DEEP at checkout. Well, that's it. Today, my guests are Chris Edmonds and Mark Babbitt. They are the co-authors of a new book called Good Comes First. In this episode, Chris and Mark help us understand how to build and maintain a great company culture. Now, look, I've worked for some terrible places where the culture was just awful. You know, and I think uh, as leaders, we got to do better. This is an important subject. If you are a leader, if you're running an organization, you need to think about the culture. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chris Edmonds and Mark Babin. They are co-authors of a new book called Good Comes First, How Today's Leaders Create an Uncompromising Company Culture 
that doesn't suck. <laughs> One of the most important things a leader must do is create and maintain the right culture in their organization. I'm excited to have them on the show to talk about this essential leadership topic. So Chris and Mark, welcome to the program. John, thank you so much for the opportunity. Great to be yeah. here, John. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I saw your material and, and like in about two milliseconds, I said, yeah, I want to get these guys on the show. I think culture is such an important topic and, and we really haven't talked about it yet on the show. So I'm really excited to dive in and, and have this discussion. So, but just to start off, how did you guys come together to create this book? I know it took over three years to put it together, but how, what, how did you meet? How did, how, why did you decide this was the book that had to be written? Mark, let me take a swing at this and, and have you fill in my, my absent memory lost right there. Good. Let's, let's but, do that. And then I'll tell you why you're wrong. But go ahead. <laughs> Which you can, you can smell the culture already between the two of us. What, what is really fun is Mark and I had connected on social, gotta be eight, nine years ago. We both had books published in 2014 and, and we're both, I think, smart enough to not, you know, wish anybody ill will in the publishing industry. It's just an interesting beast anyway. And it's like, cool, I'll promote yours. He promoted mine. It was really fun. But we met face to face at a culture conference in Chicago where Mark was speaking with his business partner and just had this wonderful kind of slightly twisted sense of humor, amazingly aligned viewpoint of we got to get leaders smarter about this and fast and um, we we had a great deal of learning over the past three years, but we, Mark, will, Mark will maybe speak to some of the fits and starts. This whole pandemic thing kind of threw uh, a wonderful yeah. Klieg light on the corners of boy culture is is really vitally important, especially today. Mark, how'd I do? I, I, I can't say that you said anything wrong, or that I wouldn't have. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. It, it has, this has shine a lot, shown a light on uh, culture as an issue, especially as we, you know, it's one, one thing we talked about with some of the people I do some teaching and, and on leadership. And uh, one of the things is that we get in when we went remote and a lot of people were joining in on Zoom, we got to look into people's houses for the first time, you know, and having yeah, these yeah, Zoom meetings. Yeah. We're like looking into their personal spaces, which we never did before, which was a whole different element uh, of culture, you know. Is their home chaotic? Is their home super neat? Is there, you know, and so you have this whole other element that you never even thought of uh, before. Uh, now yeah. you're kind of going into people's homes. So that's um, really cool. So let's just open up with this question. And, and why do company cultures mostly suck? <laughs> Mark, there's a loaded start. question right off. <laughs> yeah. so, so it it really it comes down, it comes down to leadership, John. It's mm. Leaders for decades, uh, uh, the entire industrial age have been measured on one thing, results. Mm. And it didn't matter in the industrial age how we gained those results. Just leader, go get the job done. Make that third quarter report look good. Um, uh, uh, You know, hit your numbers. And if you had to treat people disrespectfully along the way, then that was fine. That's your part of your job. You're not there to be Mm. a good guy, a nice guy. And and uh, people are expendable. Hmm. And now we're learning now more than ever. And hmm. I'd like to say we, we, we exited the, the industrial age about 10 years ago, but John, there are leaders who are just not letting go. They're, yeah. they're, yeah. they're, they're just entrenched in how they've always led. And the pandemic comes along 
And we give people all this freedom, not intentionally, not on purpose, not because we're trying to change our culture, but we didn't have any choice. Now people are working from home. And as you said, we get insight into their personal lives, you know, and and it isn't just, is their office clean or house clean? It was, are they comfortable in their own skin? Are they, Mm -hmm. they, do they panic when their kids or their dogs walk in the zoom (laughs) shot? Right. I mean, we really got to learn a lot about people and, and now leaders are trying to take that back. Yeah. And and people are walking with their feet. They're voting with their feet. You know, we have this great resignation or the mass employee exodus or whatever we're calling it now, where people are going, no, I'm not going back to poor leaders. I'm not going back to poor companies. I'm not going back to poor cultures. I'm going to go find something else. This is, I've learned my lesson. I've got to reevaluate my priorities. I've had a chance to reflect and I'm not going back to that old normal. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Well, and if I can add one of the pieces that we we really emphasized early, early on in this writing process was generational influences mm-hmm. and how millennials have had to, over the past 20 years, behave like classic autocratic command and control. That, that's, that's the only option to succeed leaders. And so they kind of got infected by this, this kind of lousy process. And now we're looking at at Gen Ys and Gen Zs who are in 2030 are supposed to be 65, 66% of the workforce, and they're not going to put up with autocratic command and control. They're just not. Right. right. And and on the tail of um, a lot of, as, as Mark put very eloquently, unintended freedoms that were offered, and, and it was... Uh, in some cases, those freedoms were we have to lay you off. We don't have any business, and which which brings in another interesting, you know, rather panicky kind of viewpoint of life. And and we're still not out of that yet. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the pieces that that we really felt was was key is cultures in general aren't very good, and the good ones are really really rare. And they get interviewed by media now every week, right? <laughs> the leaders of those of those companies that are seen as, as treating people civilly and respectfully and, and, mm-hmm. and, and great engagement. So we want to have a whole million of those companies in the next 10 years. And, and that's kind of our goal. Well, it's absolutely necessary. So I'm glad to, to hear that uh, you're on this mission because it's a similar mission that I'm on as well. And I think that you touched on it uh, is that it's, you know, leadership's responsibility to build and maintain that culture. And, and, and when the leader fails, then typically you have that bad culture and, and yeah. that's, uh, that's problematic and it's not good. And that's why we have such a low engagement rate overall in, in, in organizations. So, so let's, uh, let's talk about this. You, you say, um, you call it, uh, a good comes first culture. So what does a good comes first culture look like? Let me jump well, in, Mark. I want to. I want to no, suggest. I, I want to suggest that that this idea of good comes first was not Mark's and mine. Ah. Actually, we had a wonderful guide who kind of said that's that's what you're talking about. That that is your book title and that's your theme. And and all of a sudden everything came clear. You know, it's like the glasses get cleaned, right? <laughs> and and really, what we're looking to create is a work environment where team members, associates, employees, the more frontline kind of driving the business players are treated with respect and validation every yeah. day for yeah. their ideas, efforts, and contributions. Mm-hmm. I like this. 
Mark, what I miss? Yeah, and I'll and I'll add, John, if if you don't mind, I'll I'll add that we we say right up front that we have our idea of good, but each company, each organization, each nonprofit, each volunteer team needs to define their own um, version of good. We we can't help, you know, we couldn't go to Amazon and tell them that their culture sucks because they don't believe that it sucks. It works for them. Right. It's good for them. Right. It doesn't work for 90% of the population, but it works for them. So we yeah. we aren't in any way trying to define or, or impart our version of good. But right. as Chris said, we know all the research we've done for the book and in our own consulting practices, we know that when we convince leaders that that expecting and measuring respect is just as important as results. Now we, now we're on our way to having a good comes first company. Mm, Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So let's get back to the origin. I I mentioned earlier that leaders are responsible for creating and maintaining the company culture. What, um, what is that role? What, what are the, what's the leader do? um, What, what does the leader have to do to build and maintain the culture? Boy, that's that's the underlying foundation of every lousy culture and good culture is <laughs> leaders modeling. And in too many cases, they don't realize mm. the impact of less than positive, less than purposeful, which leads to less than productive work environments. And so um, what what we realize is that leaders often, because they've never been asked to even pay attention to the health of the work culture, and even fewer have been asked to lead a charge to change it and sustain those changes, we're giving leaders um, an an unfair task. They've never been taught how, they've never been shown how, their their bosses never did it, their mentors never did it, their (laughs) their business school professors maybe never did it. But, But at least in this moment, at this time, they're charged with creating a culture where people are treated respectfully. And there's some really cool benefits to that for all parties concerned, but we have to start with the leaders to have them understand that they can't delegate this to HR. They cannot delegate this to an office 3000 miles away in any fashion. And literally one of the biggest pieces that, that Mark and I discovered together over the last 20 years of our, of our businesses is if we don't help leaders learn how to hold people accountable, then none of this is going to stick. Yeah. And, and as Mark said, we're trying to help leaders see that results are really good, but respect is equally good and you get some benefits between the two. What we have to do is to help leaders who tell us all the time, I wish our performance accountability was better. And it's like I, I, the guy in the room that's in charge of this or the gal in the room is right here. Let's talk, right? So we've really formalized five key characteristics of leaders that hold others accountable very effectively. And the number one key is leaders have to model the desired culture. They have to be role models. And it's like, you're never off duty. We tell leaders all the time, you'll never be able to run a yellow light in this town again, because <laughs> that's a modeling. That is a, yep. that is a demonstration of, and you can say X and then behave this way. Well, then we don't believe what you say. Right. Yeah. You know, there's an authenticity problem at that point. There's a trust, trust issue when you don't act like you say you, you know, your to your standards. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Um, I, you know, one of the things that you re- you said was, you know, the we that leaders model 
uh, you know, the desired culture, right? We we model that. And and you mentioned that, you know, you can't even run a red or uh, yellow light in this town without everybody know. Well, you know, it's funny because on the submarine, on the boat, that's one of the things that we were, we were a leader 24-7. We never had a weekend off or we couldn't, you know, let our hair down and relax. I was Mr. Rennie, Lieutenant Rennie for, you know, 100 days straight. My first, I didn't even know my first name after, you know, but you, so wow. you were, you were a leader 24-7 and you were in, you were in the arena for 24-7 with not with no break you know and so i think that um having that kind of experience made it easy for me coming into leading businesses because it was like you know my my authentic uh personal self and my leadership self were the same i didn't act one way at work and one way at home right i was the same person and uh, i bring my genuine authentic authentic self to work every day and that's what i want my people to do is bring their authentic self to work every day right yeah yeah. And all their quirks, right? I mean, we know that people are messy, right? But I want them to bring the messiness to work, right? I want yeah. them to bring their, you know, their hangups and their challenges and their, you know, but also because people are messy, but they're also amazing, right? If you yeah. can tap into them, they can do some just incredible things. So that's uh, that's really good. I like the idea of, of mo- uh, leaders modeling the right behavior for the culture. Well, and John, to add to that, the other piece that's vital is that senior leaders, particularly business owners, are in charge of practices and policies and yeah, rewards yeah. and incentives. And so one of the other pieces that that's critical is that that you as a leader, you got to be open to feedback on what's working well, what's not working well. That's a hard thing to do. But that's the only way you're going to know whether or not there's trust issues or respect mm-hmm. issues or validation issues. And and I know leaders are listening to this going, I've got enough trouble managing you know, the <laughs> results, you know, kind of game. And and Mark and I firmly believe managing results is half your job. And if you're yeah, not yeah. doing anything on the respect side, you're going to have a culture that's going to be harder to live in and harder to function in and way harder to trust people in. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, Mark, you were in the military as well, and and I, you know, one thing I learned in the military was that it's the it's the mission and the people. It's a it, there's a big and in the middle of that, and uh, it is a lot, a lot of what you that you that you do and you write in this book. It, it's does some of that come from your experiences in the past or this idea of mission and people? Well, it 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 did, and from my perspective, it, um, it came from actually two places. Uh, what I felt when I was in the military was a disconnect between the mission that I believed wholeheartedly in. I say this all the time. I was I, the, the the Tom Cruise character in Born on the Fourth of July as a teenager. Well, that that was me. I mean, <laughs> I went in the military because I was sure that that was the right thing to do, and right. and and it was everybody's job to serve their country. And and then I got in the military, and at least in my world. At Travis Air Force Base, it was actually run by civilians. It wasn't what you wow. experienced, John. It was civilian contractors ran the place. And oh, wow. Well, wait a minute. What am I doing here? I so <laughs> that and I'll also tell you, as a as a guy who coached baseball for 35 years, if you want to learn how to lead or maybe how not to lead, try 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 coaching, you know, 12, 14 year olds and communicating with 14 year old parents in a travel ball club ball scenario where there's a lot of money being passed around and yeah boy talk talk about the need to build an uncompromising culture we we had to treat the kids and the parents with respect we we had to be mentors not just managers we had to apply the the rules to everyone equally we couldn't tolerate 
undesirable, unproductive behaviors. Because if you did, that was your culture. And we say this in the book. Right. Uh, culture is built upon the behaviors that you reward, and it's destroyed by the re, the behaviors that the un, the unproductive behaviors that you tolerate. Mm, and that, and yeah, uh, you know, right out right out there in front of God and all the umpires to see if if somebody's throwing their helmet or you yep. know throwing their bat uh, as they come back into the dugout, and you tolerate that as a manager and a mentor. You've lost your culture, and yeah, and so yeah, so a lot of a lot of my views on this entire process were were very much not from in the corporate boardroom. It was in uh, real life, real world. And we'd like to think that helps ground the process. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge, extremely strong coffee, to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium, certified, organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffee.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. Yeah, no, that's, that's super powerful. I think you just said something that's, uh, I've, I've written about it, I think it's really important, is that when you uh, allow behaviors that are contrary to your culture to continue and you don't address it, it is devastating to your culture because the good people that are trying to do the right thing see that you allow this kind of behavior to continue and you don't address it. It is not good for your loyal, hardworking people that are dedicated to your company and to your culture. That is, it's devastating. And, and uh, that's, that's really important that you mentioned that. That's a very important topic. Yeah, the uh, the the idea that that uh, you know those behaviors are really not that bad. Oh, yeah. They actually, yeah. number one, people don't miss anything. Number two, yeah. they talk to each other, and then number three, they begin to say this isn't consistent, and and they they literally back off and back away, and and one of the most fascinating conversations that Mark and I have with senior leaders engaging on this is we tell them as you begin to define what respect looks like and you begin to say, we're actually going to hold people accountable for this. You're going to have some folks go, that'd be cool. You know, show me, 
Yeah. You're going to have another percentage that goes, oh, thank God, finally. Right. right. And, and we call we call them early adopters. But there's going to be a group that says you are not paying me enough to be nice to these people. Mm. You never asked me to be nice to these people. I don't even like these people. Yeah. Right. And and literally, we have to tell these leaders that you may have to set some of these folks free if they don't align, because otherwise it's never going to get traction. You're going to lose credibility for anything you announce yep. from there forward. Yeah, our actions uh, reverberate, right? So, uh, we, you know, it's funny because one of the things I always talk about when I take over a new manufacturing plant, I've led nine different manufacturing plants in my career. Wow. And when I come in there, I one of the things I want to do is establish who I am as a person and what what I care about. You know, I don't I don't implement the strategy on day one, but I tell you what my culture, what I want the culture to be. So, like for example, I do I always say do one thing that gets everyone's attention. I always do one kind of crazy thing that says, "Whoa, this guy's." <laughs> different right so what i did at one plant um I, I i pulled up to the to, to the parking lot on my first day and i realized there was assigned parking for all the managers and right in the front of the building where they could come in at their own spot and they could walk in and so i walk in the building i put my stuff in my office and i asked uh who was going to be my secretary i said i said who's the maintenance manager and they said well this guy over here i said can you would you mind go getting them and so I took them, we went outside and I said, see the, all these reserve painted. And it was like a concrete, you know, parking places. They had the names on them. I said, get, get, get some paint and get the guys out here. I, would, I want all that painted over. No assigned parking places in my factory ever. And uh, if you want a good spot, get here early. And that that's all I said. And it was just the idea of this is the way we're going to run the business. No one's special. We're all in it together. This is yeah. you know one culture. We have one mission and nobody's special. And, and, it was interesting, just like that, like I did that one little thing and the word just gets out and spreads. Oh, and, yeah. like, you know, it's it's the one thing that you do that you can do early on to say, this is what our my culture, this is what it means to uh, to work for, you know, this organization. We're going to not yeah. no one gets any special treatment. So that's awesome. I think that's something about that leaders can establish that culture early on by doing some things to say, this is not what I, we stand for. This is, yeah. you know, like like I said, behaviors that are unacceptable. This is an unacceptable behavior. We're not going to have it in our in our business. So that's yeah. awesome. I, I I love that, John. And I'll tell you that the you know, we have leaders all the time that when they when they don't model the their defined values yeah. when they yeah. when they don't stand up for what they've already helped define, or maybe they defined individually as good, and then they're not doing that. We mm-hmm. had a leader tell us, "Oh, it was one example that doesn't set precedent." Well, go look at the definition of precedent. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Like would one time you did that one time that makes it okay from now on. Yeah. And what yeah. what you did was quite the opposite. You come out, you take those plates down off the pole and and you said we're going to respect everybody equally. And yeah. that's yeah. that is a you're that that puts you automatically in the top like five percent of all leaders on the planet because yeah. you 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 it was instinct for you at the time to say no this is not okay this is not my version of good and you fix it yeah 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 no you you mentioned one thing about like uh when the one thing you do can set a precedent if you allow one thing or if you do something personally Uh, another time i did it was in a plant and i had walked out on the shop floor and i forgot my safety glasses and someone came up to me and said said john you know you're not supposed to be passed here without safety glasses I reached in my wallet and I gave him $50. And I said, if anyone ever catches me not wearing my safety equipment, they're going to get 50 bucks. 
And and of course, again, that spread through the organization. Buzz Everybody heard that quickly. story, right? And so, because you know what, you're on stage anyway, so I might as well yeah. make it say that. Look, that and I was thanking that employee for watching exactly. out for me personally. They taking care of my safety, and yeah. uh, I thought that was a really good. And again, it was one little thing you can do to send a message, a powerful yeah. message, and a rumor that goes the rumor mill. I, you know, ex-military, right? The rumor <laughs> mill you got to use, right? You got to use that rumor mill. I always believe that that's really effective way to communicate. It's better than than having a meeting and talking. So oh, it's use absolutely. the rumor mill, yeah, to your absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Well, and it's, it's, I wonder about the optimism that some of those behaviors of yours, John, created. Because, yeah. it, first of all, humans are, you know, not necessarily entirely solitary beasts. We live in right. these tribes, right? And if folks can kind of see a bit of positive, a bit of, again, validation, it's like, maybe, maybe this is going to be the new normal. Maybe. I'll get noticed, you know, for good things as opposed to just bad things. It's yeah, it, yeah, that's a powerful motivator, and it is a bit of the gossip slash undercurrent, right? That no, this is this is how we're going to treat each other. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. John, I'll also say there's a big difference between contributing to the to the gossip circles and leveraging back channel communications and you <laughs> leverage back channel communications yeah yeah no i i think that we we miss that as leaders uh we there's a just there's a there's a <laughs> there's an undercurrent that happens that we don't know anything about and somehow you got to dig into that and, and and get a message into that uh undercurrent and uh yeah, well, yeah. we did i mean on the boat all the time you know we of course <laughs> the rumor the rumor mill was faster than anything else on the boat <laughs> so that's I try hilarious. to tap into that. I so, think it still is. Yeah, really, hundred percent. So you know, uh, so people listening to this, leaders listening to this, are like saying, "Oh, great!" You know, now I got to respect everybody, and, <laughs> and uh, I got to create this good culture, and and uh, culture is now important. I got now it's another thing I got to do on my to do list. But yeah. let's let's bring it back to so when we do create a good comes first culture. What kind of business results can we get when we do this? Yeah, we've got that, three that's the major, best question of all. It, it is. Yeah. It is. We've got three major, what we call our big three, outputs that we know leaders care about. Now, some mm-hmm. leaders care more boldly about some than others. But but through this process and our work with organizations over the past 20, 25 years, when they follow this process, there's three benefits. The first is a 40% increase in employee engagement. Now, engagement has been a huge problem for all of us humans over the last 30 years formally, and there's been millions of dollars spent on it and programs right and left, and there's been no real tangible movement of that needle. So 40% gains. Now, leaders say, interesting, I'd rather have happy people than unhappy people. Tell me about, I said, hold on, hold on. The second benefit is that those engaged folks treat customers way better than they ever have before. Customer service rankings typically grow by 40% or more. Now, both of these are over an 18-month period. This is not a quick announcement and everything's all better. This is a diligent modeling, coaching, reinforcement, redirecting beast. I mean, that's that's yeah. the accountability part of it. But 40% gains in engagement, 40% gains in customer service, results in profits go up 35%. Mm. And leaders go, well, I want that first. Well, yeah, I I know, (laughs) but it's not going to happen until you gain some credibility with respectful treatment of employees and then all kinds of cool stuff happens. What I miss, Mark? 
Well, I'll tell you, uh, just to apply this to today's scenario, what we've seen with our clients, John, is it isn't just the big three. It's it's relevant stuff that every leader, even if they're not, you know, they think this respect things, a little kumbaya or a little <laughs> foo-foo, and they're just not going to jump in yet. That's not who I am. I, I definitely have what we call boomer male syndrome. I've always led this way. I'm not going to change. Well, their HR team is going to them and saying, we're losing people left and right. Yeah, yeah. And we can't bring in, we're losing the battle for top talent. We're not, we're not, we're interviewing these people, but we're not securing them. They're not accepting our job offers. They're going to a different kind of culture. Mm -hmm. And so especially important today, two more metrics. One is retention of key employees. They don't, I mean, if you're being treated with respect and you're validated every day and you feel like you're part of the solution, not the problem, and you're wholly aligned with the mission, as we talked about earlier. And, and oh, by the way, big part of this respecting is personal and professional growth. We're going to focus on that, right? Well, if you have all those things, why would you? I mean, what kind of company is going to be better than that? Yeah. yeah. Right? So retention is important. But here's another factor really important in today's world, employee referrals. Mm, We've seen yes. employee referrals go like, like once you're fully engaged in this process, and again, it may take 6, 12, 18, 24 months, maybe longer for some some companies that have more work to do than others. But now people actually enjoy being part of this culture. Yeah. And and we're all networking now. We're all on social media. We're, we're, we're going to start going to live conferences again. We're doing Twitter chats again, right? And live stream events. And and now we go, you know what? You said you weren't very happy with your company. You should check out my company. Mm. And employee referrals, I mean, they're just, it's like a rocket ship once this culture really takes hold. Yeah. Because people want to invite their friends and their respected colleagues into that community. And mm. and they they trust the company enough to treat them well. And yeah. and so, and, and you know, how much money does it save a company if you keep existing talent and actually win the battle for talent. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know this, John, uh, employee referrals, 40% more likely to get an, an interview. Employee yeah. oh, referrals, yeah. once yeah. they get an interview, 40 to 60% yeah. more likely to get the job. Yeah. So it becomes this, this self-fulfilling circle of yeah. like the pipeline, the talent pipeline is always mm-hmm. full. Yeah, no, I love that. I love it. In fact, you know, as, as a small company owner now, myself, I've been running my own business for six years is that we, we actually we call it the friends and family plan. Like we prefer to hire oh, people that people know, great. right? So because uh, you know we we know who that person is, their character that we bring them in the company. Maybe they don't know our products and our, uh, but but they have the right character for our culture. And and so we we call it the friends and family plan. Like we, awesome. we've we tried hiring people from the outside, and we're like, eh, you know, he's he's good. They, he knows the product, but. He doesn't fit within who we are and in, in our family. I mean, our business is a family. We we consider it a family. We we are very close and tight with each other, and we don't want. It's almost like a new employee has to fit within the family. If they don't fit within the family, they're not. They're not. It's not going to work out. And we found friends and family idea has worked better for hiring for us, at least. Boy, that's that's outstanding. We just talked about kind of the undercurrent of communication, informal back channels. Call it what you will. There's right. a buzz today about your lousy culture. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. And there's a wonderful buzz. When those cultures are purposeful, positive, productive, fun, family, yeah. pretty yeah. cool stuff. 
Yeah, no, exactly. No, I love that. Um, yeah, and the other thing you, you mentioned, um, uh, customer service. You know, uh, if you look around the around the country today, customer service is dead. And the reason why customer service is dead is likely that culture of that company is also dead, dead. right? People feel like they're not the people that are the frontline employees, you know, answering the phone or talking to customers feel like they're not treated with respect. And so they don't treat their customers with respect. And so it's I think uh, uh, it's part of the culture that's the problem and not necessarily customer service. If you get the culture right, then the engagement goes up and then the customer, the, the way they interact with customers uh, goes up as well. So th- those are related. So when we get bad customer service, it's it could it could be someone having a bad day, right? But but likely it's probably something to do with the culture of that company yeah. is broken and people don't feel respected in their in their customer facing roles like they should be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm reminded of I think both Mark and I do this probably too often is when we see somebody that's really happy in their job <laughs> and they're and they're you know to some extent. They're just kind of calm and yeah. kind of fun and confident because they got a yeah, whole team yeah. behind them that's going to do what what's needed. We'll go. Tell me about your job. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're you seem actually pleased and comforted, and you guys are having fun. You trust each other, and so there's this. You know, you, you get this wonderful, subtle, maybe not quite on brand, right? Kind of background that's very, very, very cool, and yet we can go to a different restaurant, different hotel in the same chain and have completely opposite customer experiences. Yep. Tell me about yep. your job. Yep. Yep. It's yeah. It's that, it's that frontline manager is so important, right? doesn't matter what the yeah. CEO does. It's the frontline manager that, that totally. creates the culture of that local team. So that's yeah. really, really powerful. Well, we, it seems like we just got started on this discussion and this is super important. Leaders who are listening in, this culture is so important, so relevant for uh, for us to be successful, for our businesses to be successful. So I am going to encourage everyone to go out and find this book. So tell us how, how can we um, find out about the book and learn about you guys? Well, uh, John, we'd encourage everybody to go to goodcomesfirst.com. That, uh, gives, that'll give everybody some some background on the book, the why we wrote the book on on us as authors, but we also hope that it gives every moment, everyone a moment to reflect on their current situation. Am I in a culture that I personally thrive in? What influence do I have on that culture? If I'm a leader, how do I fix this culture that's probably not very good because statistically most cultures really do suck Hmm. in one form or another? And and so, and then of course, uh, the book uh, it, the book will be available on uh, uh, online on Amazon and all the other outlets. And we're we're uh, we're very proud that uh, Penguin and Random House is helping with to get the book in people's hands, so you can get it at Barnes and Noble and independent bookstores like Powell's and uh, in airports at Hudson News and Hudson Booksellers. So look for it as you're walking through the airport if that's where your job takes you. <laughs> That's great. Well, we'll put links to this in the show notes so everybody can uh, find it. And uh, both of you, I really appreciate you being on and sharing this really important topic. And, uh, I, you know, again, I encourage leaders dive into this topic, understand it, understand your culture. This book comes out, I understand, the 28th. Is that right? That's right. Of September the 28th coming of September, up. yes, sir. Okay. So probably by the time this uh, show is recorded, uh, September 28th, that book is out. So go to your favorite bookstore, find this book. It's called good comes first. And uh, this is really an important topic. So thank you for both for being on the show. 
John, thank you. Appreciate your passion for culture. And uh, John, thank you for your service then and now. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA.